All right, y'all, live on New Year's Eve morning. It is another episode of the Knollcast. We're uh, recording here at 8.05 or so. Uh, so if you are joining us in the live chat, thanks so much. And I have this weird occasion where I liked the YouTube channel, and now I am hearing myself in my microphone, so I, or my earbud. I apologize on the delay. Uh, anyway, let's talk it over. Let's talk about a 10-win season, bud. And, uh, hey, this is this will be fun. I mean, we'll, we'll acknowledge uh, some concerns we have uh, about what we saw and maybe some projections towards next year, but uh, this season was a – Exceptional season for Florida State, one that uh, Mike Norvell really needed to have to uh, – I don't know that he needed to have 10 wins, but he, he probably needed to get to eight uh, with a bowl game and uh, certainly did that and more and really has set the stage for uh, what could very well be a very, very special season next year. So, Bud, fortunate enough to uh, be able to spend time with you the past couple of days, got to watch the game together. Uh, let's talk it over, man. Man, absolutely great time in Orlando. Uh, I mean, first of all, the bowl experience was was good, right? Like Camping World Stadium sucks. The actual stadium's okay. The area around it is not really necessarily where you want to tailgate in, but we made the best of it for sure. I, I know a lot of people also partied downtown and then took an you know, Uber or Lyft or whatever uh, down to the stadium. So that was you know that was obviously an option. You got to see a lot of people pregame. Ran into Matt Thompson workshopped a little uh, little idea for a, a little Nolcast uh, pregame event next year because they're coming to my city, LSU, and the Knolls to open the season. But like a great bowl atmosphere once you got inside the stadium. I, I thought the Cheez-It Bowl people did well. Both fan bases showed up, which I was kind of worried about with all the travel stuff and all the flights being canceled. If you were, if you were tracking the ticket prices, uh, the parking passes were like 5x the ticket cost. You know, on, on Ticketmaster, it's like, okay, you can get in the door for 40 bucks, but you can't park a car for less than 400. So, uh, you know, that that was that was interesting, man. But I, you know, I hearken back to this time last year and I made the comment that it's getting late early for Mike. Now, that did not mean that Mike was on the hot seat. We actually put out a video specifically saying, guys, like, we, we, we know the people who would make this call and they are all in on Mike as far as giving him time. But if he's going to work out here, if he's going to do something to the standard that a FSU fan wants, it's moving day. It's getting late early. You need to do something. And he did. He went out. He won 10 games. Give his staff, which you have some good recruiters on staff, you have some bad recruiters on staff, and you got a lot of average recruiters on staff. Give them a little bit better product to sell on the recruiting trail. Give players a reason to believe both high school and the transfer portal that coming to Tallahassee is the right move to make. And this is the season that Mike had to have if he wants to work out here long-term. You're going to look, if he does work out here long-term, if he has a Jimbo Fisher or Bobby Bowden type run, and to me, long-term is like 10 years in college football nowadays. I don't think like 40 years or you know, 30 if you years. Get, if you get to eight, you have been at a place for quite yeah. a while. You really have. It's if we, that we all need to redefine what long-term in, in coaching is. Exactly. Like if, if this works out, you're going to look back at this season. This is the, like, this is what you got to have, man. Got, got to hit this pitch out of the, out of the ballpark. And he did big time. And you know, the game was not always pretty, but the magnitude of the season, if he can parlay it into better recruiting, like that is the, this is the year we'll look back and we'll say, man, God, he had to have that. He was coming off a season where he started 0 four, kept the team together. We knew we liked the culture. Right now, we like the coaching a little better. We like the player development on the offensive side of the football. Like, there's a lot of stuff to be excited about here. So, I just set the table, had to have it, and did. That's that's like my number one takeaway from this overall. I'll set the table when you have to have it, and you do is when you have to have great advice going through a home buying process. Didn't acknowledge our sponsors at the gate. Do want to hear FSU Home Loans, uh, legendary team of Chad and Shannon, are people that we've been fortunate to work with for as long as we are. Actually, working on my own little project with Shannon, uh, Bud, uh, up in a house in Virginia. So we'll uh, Congrats, take man. a couple months to see that come through, but it's a cool little project and. Great to be able to directly work with these guys. So um, they're the best. You guys know it. Uh, Shannon is exceptional dude. 
and one of the hardest working people I've ever interacted with. And Chad is, uh, is right there as well. So FSU Home Loans, uh, 844-FSU-LOAN. Reach out to us if you'd like for us to put you in touch with them. But great people as always, and we thank them for their support of the Nolcast. No doubt about it. Also, if you guys are watching us live, please please drop us that like. Uh, we got a long day of college football today, man. I know my wife is excited that uh, this is the last year of New Year's Eve college football playoff semifinal. So I was up this morning going through my clips that I took of the Under Armour game uh, or Under Armour practice yesterday. Right after this, I got to head out to the Under Armour practices, and then I'll be heading back home to uh, do live content on the uh, you know for Cover Three, and uh, it's about to be a about to be a 16-hour day of college football, and I'm not complaining about it because it, it's it's a really you know, I'm blessed to have, have the job, but it, it will be a highly highly caffeinated day. <laughs> um, all right, so talking about the game, I watched it with you, and I felt like it was. We already said the experience was good, the bowl experience was good, et cetera. Like clearly, Florida State was trying hard, and like I thought, Oklahoma played hard. Clearly, the guys who actually played for them, and it was both. It was a frustrating game to watch, I think, but I was never really nervous. And we we talked about this. We're like, look, FSU's going to get to mid-30s or low-40s, barring something really strange. And we're saying this to each other, right? Like, even as they only have, a, like, 11 points with 20 minutes gone by in the ballgame, I think the reason is because even though you had frustrating drops, I mean, Johnny Wilson had one, Cam McDonald had one. You, know, you had a guy fall down at one point. I, you were still scheming guys wide open mm-hmm. yep. consistently. And like you're getting chunk plays. And it just, you have such a trust in this offense against the vast majority of defenses that you're going to play. And especially because, like, credit to Oklahoma, they did some interesting stuff here upon the rewatch, right? They, they were able, I'm not going to say they out schemed you. They just did run some different stuff. They, they they took away some of your counter stuff. They took away some of your OZ stuff. They really tried to box you in. We saw Wake Forest do a little bit of this, and I was very encouraged by the counters to what Oklahoma did that somewhat mimicked some of what Wake did at times. They had a little bit different formation. They weren't running some of the wide nine stuff that Wake did. Florida State was ready for that for the most part. It took a little while to actually see it put points on the board, but their counters, I thought, were, were evident somewhat early in this they consistently move the football you put up 300 yards in the first half and you still have the chalk going into the second half I'm like look if the defense can't get its head out of its butt and if you could you're not going to kick a field goal every time you're in the red zone you'll score a touchdown there eventually or you'll just score on explosive play it's just a, it's a it's a great feeling to have to know like all right you're still feeling good even when you're down 13 points or 11 points or whatever whatever the, the biggest margin was. I'm like, do we really think this is going to last? I, I don't. No, I mean, with this offense right now, I think there's just a sense of confidence that you can have with it that ultimately it's going to get going. You just, you know what you have. You know what 13 has turned into, which is legitimately one of the five best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. And you know that, you know, <laughs> Johnny's going to drop the ball that you have to turn around and apologize to somebody because you're, you're, you're like, damn it. He dropped it. Uh, and then he's going to make the absurd catch. And uh, the offense ultimately is, you know what it's going to be. And you know, it's this, like, so f- I'm not, I'm not trying to get too, uh, too over my skis, but the offense is, is I love watching. It's fun to watch. It's yeah. beautiful uh, to see some of the opportunities created to see what they, all of a sudden, what they're starting to do with a kid like Douglas, uh, Marquiston Douglas. Uh, I realize we have a couple of Douglases on the team. Um, it's, I love it, man. The offense, I was joking with a friend of mine that our offense is a complex, like wonderful bottle of wine, similar to a Tarpon Cellars. Um, our defense is more like Boone's Farm. We're very simple, can't make adjustments, uh, have to stay within a very, very small kind of shell in which we have to operate within. But uh, you break you, it out when when you're actually out of your tarpon cellars and and you want to yes. want to keep getting drunk and you exactly. hope nobody notices that we are now ser- yeah <laughs> we're not now serving the Boone's Farm. We've thing. moved over to Mad Dog 2020. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's so tough. well coached, man. Like it's it's exceptionally well coached. They yes. they have some talent deficiencies still in this offense. 
and they coach well around it. Like they, they have counters to their counters and it, it's just the quality of offensive coaching is really high on this offense. I, I think like, I mean, do you think any of these offensive linemen that are currently starting will get drafted at any point in their careers? No, not current. No, I agree. Like, no, I, don't I don't think Robert Scott's a draft pick unless he improves a lot. Robert Scott's the one that I uh, debate on. And if Robert Scott is seen more as a guard than a tackle, then I think Scott is potentially draftable. Uh, otherwise, well, we'll have to see. But uh, as of right now, I think you've improved along the defensive line significantly. Uh, but like you're and we can talk about this in a second, you're like surefire draftable guys are is the cavalry that's coming. Uh, it's not what you have on your team right now. Well, right. And well, you may have a you may have one or two kids that uh, you will deploy next year that are on the team that aren't playing that are very draftable. But of that, of what you have right now, you're getting everything that you can out of your offensive line. I mean, like like and you scheme around that well. And and they're they're a pretty well coached unit for what they have, in my in my opinion. Right. Like. Jordan has improved a ton. That's quality coaching and a credit to him for the work and the persistence that he has put in and, and maintained. Obviously, Johnny Wilson is a guy who they have developed very well and has played well and will get drafted, you know, when, when, when he goes pro. Like, I don't think Pittman's a draft pick, right? You know, like, like he's based on on just size and speed. If, if you're not a big guy, you need to run fast, and, and he doesn't. Like, he's a, a good college player. You know, like, is Ontario Wilson a draft pick? Maybe if you got a combine invite or something and ran something insane time, like like a, a team would, would would take a stab on him. But you have a couple guys who are NFL players. You have a couple dudes who are quality college players, and you got some guys who are just average college players. But you can kind of coach your way to points within reason, within certain margins, right? In college football, and they do like, and they are way over here on the like. We're going to get the absolute most out of the talent on almost every every game that they play offensively. There's not a lot of games where it's like, all right, they just got, got you know, like they, they just got badly outcoached relative to the, the talent differential, either positive or negative on the offensive side of the ball. Like I, I love the play to Douglas that, that, that they ran. They went tempo. This is actually the play that, uh, that John Harbaugh, uh, the, not Jim Harbaugh, but John Harbaugh ran or uh, got, not ran, but Belichick ran this. On, and some other people run this too. Willie actually ran this at Oregon successfully. I know Clemson ran it with Taj Boyd. A, a couple of people have pointed out some other instances, but I think the most notable instance of this is the uh, is, is the play that Belichick ran against uh, against John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens. Was that a playoff game or was it like a late season game? And I know because like Harbaugh threw a fit, and the NFL, I think not that was the play that led to the rule change where they announced who's eligible on on each play, right? So what they did was you take your tackle, you line him up in the slot. He's not eligible to go out for a pass. Marquise Douglas is a huge tight end. And I agree with you, like long-term development-wise, like if he's your number three tight end next year behind Morlock and Bell, I'm really excited about Marquise Douglas in 24 because that's a long-term projection type guy, you know? That's a hell of a number three to have, by the way, if he is your three next year. I don't, I don't know how chips will fall, but I, given the fact that you went out and got two stud tight ends in the transfer portal. You got to feel much better about that room. And Oklahoma, actually, they they cover this play okay, but it's still like, it just fits your personnel well. They use their pieces well. Douglas has a body that, is he tackle size? No, but he's not H-back size. If you line him up there in that left tackle spot, mm -hmm. but he's actually eligible because of formation, it may take the defense a second to realize, wait a second, like, that's not the tackle. Right. And Oklahoma actually saw it to their credit. Like, I thought they were really well coached on defense. Venable does a hell of a job. And they'll, they'll probably be pretty salty defensively once they get some decent players there. And you score on it because it, it's, it's executed well. Like, you didn't, it, it didn't have to be, you know, WTFO to score. But I, to your point of like using the pieces, man, like that really showed it. That's a great play to run when you have a jumbo tight end. Yeah. And you, and you use tempo on it. Love the play uh, that they ran earlier in the game to Douglas, too. I think it was maybe like a 13-yard gain or something, but it was just a creating space for him on the opposite sideline of, of where that we watched. little screen to the boundary? Yeah, where we watched yeah. the game play out in front of us. So I just love what you can do with that kid, and I think Douglas is um, has a unique enough body that I don't think he's going to get washed lost in the wash next year of the tight ends. I think you'll use Bell 
um, in a manner that will create opportunities for Douglas. Oh, I'll put it that way. I certainly have no idea how the coaches are, are going to uh, do things. And I'm not trying to suggest otherwise, but I just, when you look at those three kids, uh, I think they're all unique enough and have the ability to uh, create opportunities uh, that I think all three of them will see an awful lot of playing time. And I'm exceptionally excited to see uh, what Mark Easton develops into. Specifically, I think in, in a couple areas that, that, that he could help you as well as he improves as a blocker, like as his blocking meets his size, that that's an, that is something assuming it happens will be really encouraging for the offense. Right? So you were zero of three on fourth downs. You also kicked how many short field goals did you have to kick in this game? Right? Um, here we go. I was sorting by chronological. Now, now I'm sorting by team. So you turned it over on downs three times. I think all the so 03 on fourth down, right? You missed a field goal. You also kicked a another field goal. If you get better play in the red zone, which I think is an area where the offensive line gets exposed some because they just don't have like NFL talent on that offensive line right now. Like Atkins is is Atkins is scheming, right? Um I think you're better in short yardage. I think you're better in the red zone. I think you're better in sort of like critical situational football where you have to mash in people because you can go, you can go bigger if you want in those situations. And clearly, like they try to do that now. And all due respect to like Wyatt Rector and Preston Daniel and, and certainly McDonald's not a blocker. Uh, but if you get better, better big body tight end play, that's a way that you can improve in the red zone, even if the offensive line doesn't take some huge step forward, which maybe they will, but like those are areas where like a Douglas can can help you going forward, obviously. And like Johnny Wilson having even better body control, being more of a red zone threat than he already is. Like you saw it against Louisville. Okay. You saw it some in this game. Um, you know, that was those are areas where like if you're looking for more wins on the margins, how does this go from like a top I think it's a top ten offense in college football? All right. How does it go from like a top ten to a top five? It's probably the physicality element, most likely, and making sure that you have a deep threat as well now that Wilson's gone. Those are kind of the two areas of concern, or just not concern, but areas to improve, I guess. How do you go from A to an A+. plus? Yeah. If you're listening, we're talking about Ontario Wilson, Johnny Wilson still to make Excuse a decision. Me. Yes. No. Uh, and Johnny, I don't, I don't know if we said this, Johnny, in my opinion, absolutely has the ability to be a, a draftable player. Uh, yeah. Just based off some of the comments I've I think people might have misunderstood what we were talking about earlier. But, uh, no, Johnny has a chance to be a draftable player. Johnny has a chance to be a exceptionally high-profile player next year. Um, if Florida State does what I think it can do and, and what the offense will be doing, um, Johnny Wilson will be a, a very significant piece to that. So, um, you had – I mean, you had 587 yards, 8.2 per play, got stopped in the red zone twice and had three turnovers on downs. That's like your your B game did that. Like you could have played even better on offense potentially, right? Like that's I think that shows the potential of this offense. Oklahoma's a bad defense. They threw some junk at you. Okay. You swung out a couple curveballs early and missed. You also, I think that they hung a couple curveballs early. You hit them about 500 feet foul in terms of like you created the explosive play. You just you dropped it or or the like throw was slightly off. But that was that reason. It was like, okay, is this defense really going to allow? 40 plus points to an offense that literally had the same five starters off the line for the entire year. And four of them were missing for this game. Like, do we really think that's going to happen for the entire freaking game? Cause if so, then maybe I'm worried, but if not, I'm like, okay, I trust Mike. I've watched Mike at Memphis. I've watched his offenses here. I trust them to score unless you're just getting physically whipped and they were not. Yep. Um, want to thank Matt Thompson and his team at uh, Charlie park and all of the, for the table restaurant group properties. Like we said, uh, we are working on doing something with Matt uh, next uh, to kick off uh, the first game of next year, which will be the previously referenced LSU game in Orlando. Uh, so thank you, as always, to Matt. Charlie Park's a fantastic rooftop bar, Tallahassee's best rooftop experience, and would very much encourage you to check it out uh, when you are in Tallahassee the next time, or if you're in Tallahassee, uh, the next time that you want to have a, uh, a special evening or something like that. So again, CharliePark, rooftopbar.com. Thank you again to Matt Thompson and his team. 
Uh, but, you know, we reference uh, frequently that we've been fortunate to do this since 2009, 2010, whenever it was we started working together. I um, One of my favorite things is maybe pre-show if we're both in the uh, the note sheet and we're, you know, you've got some ideas that you've texted me. I've got an idea that I'm putting in there. So, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, show comes together. In the 13 or 14 years that we've been doing the show, I don't think I've ever bolded anything in the show notes before. Uh, but when I saw you put in the previously referenced uh, note about uh, Oklahoma's offense line, it certainly put things into perspective. I knew we knew in the preview, we're talking about both of their tackles being out. Uh, so by no means did I expect Oklahoma to have, you know, OL uh, one, so to say, in the game. But Oklahoma had five players of the offensive line play north of 600 snaps over the season. One of those players played in the Cheez-It Bowl. And Oklahoma's offensive line still had the better day. Uh, so it's just a, a reference point as to where you need to continue to improve upon uh, You know, this team. If we're going to have the large dreams of CFB playoffs and, and more next year, you've got to get significantly better along the line of scrimmage uh, on both sides of the ball. And you just got to have a level of physicality to you that, um, you know, right now you've still got to develop. Agreed. Um, so, look, I, I, we also need to address that there were some guys on FSU's defense who were out, right? Fabian Lovett was uh, hurt, and you had some de defensive backs you know, go down in the game. And I totally agree with you that, like, but I think you could make the playoff next year. Now, do I, would I pick you like even money to make the playoff? No, but I think you can make the playoff next year with this defense. I also think you'd probably get embarrassed in a playoff game with with with, with this defense if you actually made it. Like my thought on making the playoff next year is offense plus schedule, right? But yet again, when this defensive coaching staff goes up against an offense with a pulse, and I really didn't know if this off Oklahoma offense was going to have a pulse because I mean. Like if you lost, if, if you were down four offensive line starters on FSU's offensive line, you wouldn't have expectations. You wouldn't expect an, an offensive performance like this, right? And if you did, you'd be like, "Oh my god, that defensive was 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 a joke." You know, like they got badly outcoached in this game again. Florida outcoached them as well. Like we remember, we went into the game against Florida. I'm gonna pull this up just so I make sure I have this right. Okay. Do you actually here? I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Score. And we said, okay, who's out for these dudes? Who's in? You knew that Florida had one receiver, right? One. The rest of them were like third stringers. They were missing their, their other starters. They were missing their, their second stringers. You know, FSU did not force a single other receiver to catch a pass against Florida. Yet they repeatedly found Pearsall for 148 yards. They get out coached period. And they're not a good recruiting staff on the defensive side for the most part. So I don't, what, what would you say you do here Yeah, to, to, to pull the, in the office? Like, yeah, I think you're, you're two in that bowl game. You're, Sorry, your two like, recruiters on that out. staff are your your ends and you know your your defensive line coaches are your right. two recruiters. Um, it would appear as though, <clears throat> whereas Fuller may not be a dynamic uh, high school recruiter, he does seem to have significant traction in the portal, which is interesting to uh, view. I think that may just be a maturity thing. I think Fuller's pitch may land better with a 20 year old than it does a 16 year old, you know? And, and I've, I've referenced 16 is when you start to develop these relationships with kids. Um, and you know, it's a, it's uh it's just going to be an interesting situation. I don't think you'll see uh, any significant changes uh, here, but I, I'm again, I'm not purviewed in any more information than anybody else is when it comes to stuff like that. Um, at linebacker, you have a pretty good developer uh, of talent. Uh, you know, that's once you get them in there. So uh, you just got to try to figure out how to make this work, where you can continue to improve upon. Uh, obviously, the decisions that uh, Fabian, Jared, and, and Jamie make uh, will go a long way in deciding what kind of defense you have next year. 
and uh, you know whether or not you continue to uh, bring in kids in the portal uh, we'll just have to see where and and how that plays out totally um all right so to dive into the defense stuff a little bit a little bit more I don't think you got physically whipped at the point of attack by Oklahoma's backups. I think you got out schemed and out coached. Okay. They did not do a very good job handling tempo, which why you got a month to prep for this. You know, Oklahoma runs at a blistering tempo. They routinely had bad angles created for them by Oklahoma's offense to where it's like, it, sometimes it looks like you're getting physically whipped because they, they have great angles to block you. That's coaching and scheming. When FSU's offense does that for its offensive line, we say that they're out coaching the defense, right? We have to say the same thing when Oklahoma takes four backup offensive linemen who are significant drop-offs, I think, from the starters who three of them are going to be NFL players. I don't know about the fourth kid. And and, and they do that to you. That's bad coaching on your part. Like, like The only good game this defense has this year really are against offenses that were had like injured or legitimate backup quarterbacks or a bunch of other guys out on the offense. So I guess like maybe I was wrong to expect they could do that to an offense that had that many guys out on the offensive line. Like this is a badly coached defense. It just is. I'm sorry. Like I'm not giving these guys average. It's not a well-coached defense. Um. Now, a couple guys stood out to me that I think maybe you can build on some. I thought AZ Thomas played well. Like that's that's good. It's encouraging that he continued to come on throughout the season. I thought he had. I think they were playing two trap there, and he 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 peels off and, and almost has a pick. But it, it was like one of the few times where Gabriel was legitimately confused in that game. It, you need to create more confusion. You, you don't coach zone defense well at all. Teams know you have to play man. Your run fits and your rotations off this stuff are not good enough. If you're like if if you're going to be super simple, be Iowa, be extremely well coached, have great fundamentals, have good technique. Because Iowa doesn't like they're kind of simple. I mean, they there's some variations of what they do, but just people kind of know what you get when you play Iowa. But they they make you earn it all the time, and this defense doesn't, man. Like this is it's a problem. Like like, like let's say. Let's say you 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 have the season, like the magical season. You, you, you run it twelve and zero, and you get to the playoff. It's gonna be a weird feeling. You're gonna be super happy, and then you're like, "Oh God, so, I don't trust these guys getting stops would, in a big time game." I would. Uh, I acknowledge your your nerves. I would still say, from where we were three years ago, oh, it'd be incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, it would be exceptional. It would be incredible. It would be incredible for numerous reasons, and not just the incredible experience in 2023 for the broader landscape of college football, you would certainly assure yourself uh, that the landscape won't be changing without you being part of it. Uh, I'll certainly put it that way. So, uh, and I know what you're saying, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with you, but it would be, it would be a great, a a great sense of anxiety. I'll put it that way. And uh, you know, you and I would have similar concerns about, uh, what might happen, but you know, to an extent you get to uh, that point in the season and you just roll the dice and maybe they roll, maybe they roll your way, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. 100%. Um, also it would be a great thing, a great thing to be able to recruit off to go to the, like going to the playoff, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, like, I think you actually have a shot, but you probably need to go 12 and 0. Like, I don't know if 11 and one is getting in. After the, after the, the you know the bowl week that the ACC had yesterday, now yeah. they did they did beat UCLA, um, which is good. But you allowed two ninety on the ground if you take out sacks. That's that's discouraging, you know. Um, we'll see. Uh, some people in the comments want to know: Was this a top twenty defense and the best pass defense in the ACC? If you watch these games and sincerely believe that, that's on you. Um, back to what we were discussing there, though. It was interesting and exciting and fun uh, to watch an Orange Bowl last night and not really be all that concerned as to Tennessee or Clemson won because, uh, you know, neither – both of those teams taking a loss would be quite fine with me. Uh, but you can start to watch games like that and be like, you know what? 
maybe Clemson needs to win for our playoff hopes of next year. And I like you, that's that's the the filter in which you're starting to consume college football again as a Florida State fan. Like you're thinking about, you know, okay, so if we're trying to be a playoff team next year, uh, what's the trade-off worth? Clemson winning a bowl game and maybe feeling a little bit better about itself going into the year, uh, or Clemson winning a bowl game and that being a little bit significant of a better potential, uh, you know, bump that you could get uh, from that. I, I think in theory, it's not a wild extrapolation to see yourself playing Clemson twice next year. Um, so it's probably the expectation, right? And it's, if you do have room for a loss, um, you, you have, you kind of have to win the LSU game so that you can, if, if you, if Clemson 1.0 and South Carolina goes wrong, you can, you know, uh, you'll still face them in the hypothetical theory that we're talking about. Uh, but if you do have playoff aspirations, um, you're going to need to win game one, obviously. And then you're going to need the loser in game one to go on and have a, a pretty decent season in their own right. So, right. And the fact I'm, that we're even sitting here talking about that is still freaking crazy based oh, off incredible. where we were two or three years ago and awesome. Uh, but it's a, it's, it's nice to, um, it's nice to not go and do a season wondering whether or not you're going to get five or six wins. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, just telling you all, FSU's win total in our next year is probably going, going to start with a nine. And it's probably going to have a, like a point five in there. You know, I mean, like, there's six games where you're going to be a big favorite in, and there's six games that I'm not saying are coin flips. Like, you'll probably be favored. You're probably favored in, in somewhere between nine to 12 games next year. Like, I don't know if you're going to be favored over LSU, potentially. just depends on who else comes back for them, how, how else the, the, the portal chips fall. Are you favored at Clemson? Probably not. Uh, but, again, who comes back for them? Who comes back for you? Right? Like, that's all going to matter. Clemson schedule-wise, they're at Miami. Um, they're at NC State. They get the Knowles and Wake and uh, UNC at home. Um, Georgia Tech at home as well. So, yeah, man, like I, I would fully expect to play Clemson twice next year. Personally, so like that, and that they also they have uh, they have Notre Dame, but Notre Dame does not factor into the ACC standings. Um, also, like it's not. Am I crazy to have some hope that this defense gets better? Uh, I don't. I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I think that should absolutely be the expectation. Again, it's going to be dependent upon who returns and and who decides to to go pro. And um, you know, the rosters in college football have never been as fluid as they are now. So, would, you know, would it surprise me if if you don't add maybe a name at some point uh, in a couple months from now or something that you're not expecting? Again, I'm not t saying anything uh, secretive or anything out there. You just watch historically how this has played out the past year or two uh, that you could still get another piece. And it wouldn't shock me if, you know, somebody didn't leave that you were otherwise think will be back. It's just how this works right now. Um, we can look at the roster composition uh, on April 21st. I just threw that out because it's my birthday and I'm selfish, but you know, sometime mid spring we'll have an idea as to what the, uh, <laughs> to what the roster is really going to look like. But I, I, I fully expect that the defense will be better uh, and that they will have pieces that will allow the optimistic of us to dream uh, the most optimistic of dreams. So um, yeah, I, I think the defense would, I think the defense will play out and uh, if they continue to improve in the manner that they are, I think the defense will be better than they were next year. Yes. It's going to be a pretty experience. Like, like if you get Jamie Robinson back, you know, like the back end will be fairly experienced, right? Like, I think you have, I think you have, you have to couch this someone and like, will this defensive staff coach well, right? Will they not get embarrassed against decent to good offenses? We'll see. But like, you will have a lot of experience to play with, you know? Um, I think you're probably better at corner next year than you were this year because. Either Duke Cooper bounces back or AZ Thomas takes a step forward or Renardo Green builds upon the nice year 
that he had. There, maybe Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones right. has turned into a player. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely, like absolutely, he's a useful player. Like, like so, I think that you can be better at corner next year, which will help you. Maybe one of those guys emerges as your nickel, you know, which has been an issue this year for you. Like maybe Kevin Knowles doesn't have the like maybe he bounces back off your sophomore slump, right? I guess that's that's also possible. Um, linebacker, you'll be very experienced. Like you clearly don't have you don't have freaks at linebacker, right? Nobody is gonna gonna take one of your linebackers with the top one hundred or I don't know, maybe they maybe one of them gets drafted eventually. Depends on what they run. Like I don't I don't think Bethune runs well enough to get drafted, but like Maybe if Deloach had an unreal combine time or something like that, you know, he could. But like those are useful college backers. Yeah. For the I think Deloach part. very much has a chance to be drafted just because of where the game is going in his skill yeah. set. And Tatum Bethune might be my favorite player on the team. So I will allow no Tatum Bethune slander uh, at all. So, and you're honestly, your guy Lundy uh, was, he had to play like 40 snaps. Oklahoma ran 85 plays on you. Uh, he was useful at times. So, I can see like the path for improvement of this defense, right? But you are pushing the chips all in for 2023. I feel like, like that's, that's a year you're trying to sell off big time. Oh, I mean, I think even a casual observer of the program will come to the conclusion that we are going for it, going for it in 2023. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's go, let's do it. You know, and if, if like if you don't make defensive changes coaching wise, that's where all the eyes are gonna be. Mm. You know, like that and that's a decision Mike has to make. Does he think he can upgrade the defensive staff and and risk you know the continuity? Although I would argue what continuity do you have? You still have major communication issues in year three of running this defense. So what 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 apple card are you are you upsetting? But I don't know. I, I maybe, maybe they also just... also linebacker. I'll, I'll be. I don't mean to jump in, but I'd love to see what uh, <laughs> what what is currently being referred to as Hakeem Williams' teammate. Uh, that's how popular Hakeem Williams is within this fan base. But uh, no, I mean that kid's a, a really great athlete. You hear good things about him. I think that will be somebody that emerges uh, in the linebacker core, and I'll be really interested to see. You know, when we when we sit here and talk in the spring before spring about some of the names and and who's going to emerge, uh, we'll be fascinated to see what the linebacker core and if some of those those younger guys stand out. One hundred percent. What else here? It was good to see. Oh, I, I don't know. Like, if you guys were watching at home, I thought I thought it was like very windy on punts. You know, like, like like that was that's just kind of a little, little note here. I, I was taking some notes on my phone during the game. It was super windy pregame to the point that when you were going through walkthroughs, it was uh, it was <clears throat> significantly altering any kind of lo- a longer pass. Any ball that was in the air for a, pr- a prolonged period of time died down a little bit before kickoff. And I, I didn't think it was uh, quite as impactful. But, yeah, when we got there and I was particularly looking, there was a um, – you know, there's a flag, a, a U.S. flag on the other side, on the top of the stadium, and it was uh, it was moving. It was moving aggressively for the first twenty or thirty minutes uh, of warm-ups and walkthroughs. No doubt. Um, what else That's you your wind report. I know I, a lot of people, a lot of people want to listen to Nolcast to hear how windy it was. Uh, so I apologize for rumbling through that previous thirty-five seconds there. I will say. Uh, one of the reasons we did not instant react was that getting out of the stadium takes forever no, at Camping World. I like can't. It's, it's, I mean, I <clears throat> I didn't have a positive experience at the stadium. There. What what, <laughs> what time did you get out of the hotel or get get back to the hotel? Because like I I don't I don't think I mean it took like it took me like like an hour and forty to get home, dude. No, it took it took forever. I mean, uh, we were fortunate to be able to sit where we were sitting. Uh, I had to get to the stadium a little bit earlier to set some stuff up. Uh, my fiance joined me later. She called me. She's like, I'm, they're not very helpful right now. I'm currently like standing in the nosebleed section. Cause this is where they told me my tickets were. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, that's not, maybe not the greatest staff. 
maybe not the greatest uh, stadium experience there to be had at uh, Camping World. But, uh, you know, we'll go. We'll move on and uh, focus on stuff that is uh, more important to our broader listenership. So, yes. Um, um, what did you uh, did you see that uh, the bowl game number for this is the highest rated bowl game so far? Uh, I did not see that as it of does... yesterday morning. I don't yeah. know what the Orange Bowl did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the Orange Bowl did good numbers. Um, it doesn't necessarily surprise me, man. It just looked like when both those teams ran out of the tunnel. Uh, I'm like, you know what? This this just looks like a big time college football game. Oklahoma's uniforms are, are beautiful. Um, Florida State's uniforms are getting back to the place where they are, where the, some of the better looking ones in the sport and hopefully we continue to step in the right direction there. Um, it just looked like a big time game with big time programs, big time brands. Um, and, and to Oklahoma's credit, they came out and played in a manner that probably only continued to garner, uh, you know, interest of, of the casual college football fan. 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, like the, the time of the game made it pretty good as far as people being able to watch, right? Like it was, it was, it was after work and, the fact that the underdog jumped out early, I thought was was pretty good. You're right; it's two iconic brands matching up. They've played some pretty damn good games over the years. Uh, you know, 1980, obviously. I, I would argue that the, the 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 Orange Bowl they played, uh, like that was a terrible game to watch, but it was a national championship game. So there was that, uh, and then the the, the 2011 game. Uh, in, in Tallahassee was was just an incredibly good game. So I, I think you're right. Like the, the the brand quality matters. But like if you're the SEC, if you're the Big Ten, you're watching. You're like, yep. All right, yep. man. Just Four another another uh, note point on your resume. Absolutely. Uh, and I know it was true uh, 15 or 20 years ago, and um, it'd be interesting to go back and look at that. But uh, Wall Street Journal had a fairly uh, thorough report at the time. I think this is around 2009. This was far from Florida State's. This is when you were still kind of cli- climbing out of some of the doldrums of the mid 2000s. Uh, Florida State had the highest positive impact on year to year TV ratings, improvements in them for the bowl games. Now, again, that's tough, kind of small sample size and, and data set to extrapolate, but it was a it was interesting to look at then, and uh, I imagine that there's. You know, I don't know if they're still number one, but I still think uh, when you're talking about TV products, man, there's only there's only five or six brands in college football that ex- exceptionally move the needle, and Florida State is undoubtedly one of them. Um, speaking of like moving the needle and, and big time brands, uh, I, I put together a video for uh, for the Cover Three YouTube channel and for CBS, and it, I always do like the what do current recruits remember. Like they definitely don't remember Tim Tebow playing for Florida now. Um, they actually, I'm trying to remember my notes here. I think they were not alive for the last time Miami won a conference title. Like not a national title, but a yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's certainly something. Uh, but speaking of current recruits, a guy who has signed with you, Lucas Simmons. Um, is he raw a little bit? Is it going to take some good coaching by Alex Atkins? Yes. He looks the part at Under Armour. I, I put it in the thread on, on, on 24-7 Sports. We did like the live update thread. I mean, he's he looks, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and 300, and trim, and moves well, and takes the coaching. Uh, the coach out there, actually, is John Hevesy, uh, who, who was Florida's offensive line coach under Mullen, a guy who has a reputation as a uh, – a good coach and not somebody who recruits well. And so now he's hanging out, uh, working and working the Under Armour stuff and just kind of taking a little, little, a little break from college coaching. But uh, it was cool to see, you know, see Lucas absorb some of the coaching from him. Got to see Lucas, you know, compared to like the uh, a lost kid who signed with Alabama. Um, Harris, the, the kid who signed with Florida, was there. And I, I thought Simmons looked good. So we'll watch this morning in some of the one-on-ones, which, which should be pretty exciting. But, like, that's a – Simmons is a body that you don't have on, on your team right now. And that's the kind of kid that, like, a Georgia or an Alabama yep. or an Ohio State signs. And, and that's so- also the kind of kid that's very rare to hit the transfer portal. 
Exactly. It's it's the entity that you don't get a second yeah. second crack at. Now, you know, will there be a one-off uh, every once in a while? Sure. But you can look at the portal right now. You, we don't have a massive sample set as to what it's looked like over a couple of years. But you can look at it and quickly start to come to the realization that you it is exceptionally rare that you get uh, offensive tackles and like game-changing defensive pieces. Now, I realize that Florida State has happened to land one of those and, and two of them with the addition of verse, but that is that is the exception, not the rule. And uh, I think it is only going to become uh, more the case moving forward. And when one of those other super elite prospects do end up hitting the portal, uh, certainly not accusing any entity or anyone of tampering out there, uh, but I am under the impression that a lot of times the destination is already set. So uh, I don't know that you're really going to get a, a chance at too many of those super elite talents along the line of scrimmage in the portal. And I am, I can't express how excited I am about, uh, about what Lucas Simmons can ultimately turn into at Florida state over time. I legitimately think you signed one of the two or three best tackles in the country. And like Bud said, it is a raw piece of clay that just, there's not many of them. And there's not too many uh, to be had, and and you got you did some you did some work there, absolutely, no doubt about it. You know, and it's just like just because Rod Orr busted, and just because Lloyd Willis you know, is not 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 going to hit at the level you need him to hit, doesn't mean you 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 quit you quit swinging. You have to quit swing or you have to keep swinging at certain positions from the high school ranks because they just ain't out there. I was talking to a personnel guy of a really good team like a top five rated team and they're going to need tackles in the portal. And he's like, dude, I mean, it's the Cornelius kid from freaking Rhode Island and the Walter Rouse kid from Stanford who can't stay healthy. And like, I mean, we've seen some flashes when he stayed healthy, but it's like, ugh. Uh, you know, this is, this is bleak. Uh, heck like Florida. Did you see yesterday? USC took Michael Tarquin. Mm-hmm. It was a starter at Florida. Now, and maybe he wouldn't have been next year. Maybe it's a situation like Cohen, where I thought Cohen, the, the, the kid at Alabama, might have get, gotten beaten out by the Booker kid that Bama signed this year, the, the really you know promising uh, freshman. But they also lost uh, Ethan White, who was a starter. Like, I'm – I don't know. Like, I'm curious to see the work that Florida does in the portal. I know this was not on the show notes, but they – to sustain their recruiting, and they had a really nice class. They, they they signed a lot of the you know top forty or fifty kids in, in in the state, not a lot of the top ten. Um, they're going to need to have a probably a better year next year, and I think their schedule is actually sort of difficult. Whereas like Miami's schedule is not that tough to me next year. Like they their ACC draw, I think is okay. They do get FSU in Clemson, which is unfortunate for them. And they get AM again, but like I think their other nine games are, are fairly manageable if they get back to some sort of reasonable level. Um, like what's Florida's schedule next year? You know, and how does your recruiting look if you like you get so you go to Utah to open? That's interesting. Uh, I think they were, I, I think like the everybody I know who covers Florida thought that Michael Pratt was their answer at QB. And then Tulane, to their credit, and their collective kept him. And I think, by the way, that's that's a situation to monitor and why why recruiting high school is going to be more important because maybe some of these G5 schools pull that pull that together and say, hey, like, we, we can't have it, you know, UBI for everybody on, on our team. Right. But maybe the local businesses for, for the one final year, this quarterback. They can fire a single bullet. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like, my favorite conversation about NLI is talking to friends of mine that coach um, at Georgia Southern, at Georgia State, at schools like that, trying to figure out, you know, where they can – it's it's just interesting. It's a different, it's a different perspective. Uh, but those guys are, you know, Georgia Southern fans love college football. Uh, they, they will – have a little, you know, they'll have an arrow or two in the quiver. And uh, I absolutely agree with you entirely. It's um, that will be very interesting to see how that plays out and what it means for the, the one-time retention of kids. And UTSA did it with Frank Harris. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like, like that kind of messed up the quarterback recruiting market in the transfer portal. You end up like, like with Florida taking a kid like Graham Mertz and maybe it works out, but like clearly he was not plan A for them. I mean, I, I I'm sure they'll say he was, and I'm, I'm sure they're lying if they do. Uh, oh, so you have schedule. Got it. Got it here. Knowles in Gainesville. They have to go to LSU. They host Arkansas. They go to Missouri. Uh, they play Georgia neutral again. They go to South Carolina. Uh, they are at Kentucky. They uh, they host Tennessee and they host Vandy. I mean, personally, and UF did not do this this year, but like, and all due respect to my former podcasting colleague Martin Simmons, who's now the GM at Vandy, you kind of want Vandy to be your road game because you want the advantage of having a home game in the SEC. Like that draw from the West, like Arkansas and at, at LSU, it could be tougher, but it also could be easier. You, you could be get a rebuilding Auburn team, right? Like you could play Mississippi State. That's not not the easiest draw in the world. So I don't know what what is what does UF's recruiting look like if they're like seven and five? Just some things to ponder here. And mm-hmm. and you, I mean, I think the odds that you don't put up like twenty wins in a two year span are are relatively low. You know what I'm saying? That's a nice thing to recruit off. I'm, I'm encouraged where you are as a program. Like Mike's done a hell of a job with his turnaround and they have a chance to really cash it in next year, which if you go back, what, 21 games ago, you're, you're starting 0 and 4. You lost it. You lost to Jacksonville state. That's tough. Just think of where we were, where we started the show, where we were, At 5.30 p.m. last early signing day. And you did your your podcast and, uh, you know, you rightfully, you did your podcast. You did a null cast and you rightfully said, uh, you know, it's getting getting late early. And uh, the turnaround that's taken place there from a personnel perspective and, and the job that you did develop in your own roster uh, is exceptional. And you are going to enter 2023. um as one of the better situated programs in college football. And that is freaking nuts. And congratulations to, to Mike and the entire uh, staff, both coaching staff and all of the behind the scenes staff and support staff that, that made that happen. You might be top 10 to start the season. I think you're going to be a single digit preseason uh, team. I do like, okay. Off the top of your head who, and I, I know we're running a little bit long, but like I, I got a couple more minutes here before I got to jet out the practice. The teams that were confident will be ranked ahead of you in the preseason. Georgia, Bama, for sure. Just they, all, they always are. Ohio State, Michigan, because McCarthy's coming back. Right? Okay. USC, because Caleb's back? Depends Maybe. on what SC continues to do in the portal, too. I mean, they, they, yeah. they tend to hit... They don't tend to hit singles in the portal. They, they tend to hit deep balls. Uh, oh. Tennessee will be an interesting one. Uh, and other than that, I think you're right there. And, and like, obviously it'll be dependent upon who returns and, and the work that you continue to do in the portal. Uh, will LSU I, be ahead of you? I think LSU, I think LSU will be within two spots of you either way. Yeah. I mean, you're like LS, next year's LSU game is going to be like a nine versus 11 or a seven versus nine or something like that. Will Clemson? Opinion. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. People are, there's some growing skepticism uh, of Clemson. Now, look, that's only a reflection of how freaking good they've been. And the fact that, you know, two, three lost seasons makes you wonder as to whether or not um, you're coming down from, from the mountaintop, but, uh, Clemp- you'll be within two or three on either side of Clemson, in my opinion, as well. Uh, I guess the other two I would think about, Notre Dame, because they close strong, mm-hmm. um, potentially. I don't think Oklahoma, obviously, because like they just they they need to win more games, and they're, they're losing some talent off this team. Um, Penn State. That would be a 10-win Penn State team. You bring back a whole lot. They would have just won the if they win the Rose Bowl. Also, if Cam Rising comes back for Utah, yeah, and, and they beat Penn State, name, I, I guess wasn't. you could say it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I think wasn't here. Enough. <clears throat> so, like, you're somewhere between seven and twelve to start the year. I'm almost certain. 
that's kind of awesome. Too. Let's talk in two weeks. Let's talk. Let's talk yeah. in the middle of January when you know what what uh, the decision of of. So Jamie's going to announce on what tomorrow. Although Jamie just loved. I mean, hat tip to you, dog. Uh, he's having a lot of fun with the <laughs> with the process on social media and everything else. Uh, I don't know that there's a definitive timetable on Jared versus decision. Um, I think you'll hear from Fabian within the next week. I think you'll know. Uh, sounds like you'll know on Jamie tomorrow. Fabian maybe by the seventh uh, at the latest, maybe the tenth, and then you know verse. I would imagine that you'll know by the fifteenth. So um, you know, let's let's circle back to this conversation then. And if you you know retain uh, in the manner that I think you might. Um, I think that we can talk about a, a, a single digit being likely, uh, if not probable, next to Florida State's name. I mean, that would be also like if you're the TV networks, you would love to have a top 10 matchup to start the year. Hell yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Very true. Awesome, man. Um, all right. Anything else we need to talk about here? Um, if you guys are just a couple people joining the show late, uh, Love the offense, defense, frowny face, uh, recruiting. We're looking ahead to junior days coming up, and I have to get out to Under Armour practice. So enjoy it, man. A little, little, little Noel cast with some coffee. <laughs> Good. The old 8 o'clock New Year's Eve uh, Noel cast. No, as always, uh, thank you to all our sponsors, uh, Louisiana Hot Sauce, Tarpon Cellars, the legendary team. Uh, Congruity. All- all the great people at uh, at Charlie Park and and Matt Lewis. Did you get to see Matt? Uh, no, I did not run in the Matt, but I was texting with Matt, and I think he made it over to to see the to see Matt Thompson. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Well, uh, Matt Lewis and the team at Congruity. We do have a new uh, partnership to announce there. We're not going to announce it an hour and five minutes into a podcast. We'll do that on the next one. Um, as always, congruityhr.com. If you want to reach out to me as a I, th- I don't know the exact number. Uh, it's been a great partnership. And um, from working with Matt directly uh, at my previous place of employment, uh, I can only say that uh, it's first class service. Uh, so as always, uh, we'll be back with you maybe three or four days from now, have a chance to have a, a further perspective of buds uh, at the Under Armour practice. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have, a better idea as to what the roster will look like uh, for next year. So uh, with that, it's been the Nolcast. We do have a question about uh, the battles in. I don't know of announcement on that. I will tell you, and I meant to mention this on the previous podcast, uh, that we signed a uh, IP deal with uh, the university. So any future announcements that we have, um, all you jokers who tweet me about Boston College uniforms won't be able to do that anymore because we'll be able to tweet out, the full damn uniform. And I'm very excited about that. And that's also tied to numerous other official partnerships that we have uh, that you guys will continue to be able to see and will continue to be able to grow upon. So that is can my you, quick two minute battles end plug. Now, if you have the IP deal, can I, can I, can I kind of grill you on this a little bit? Can we edit the uniform still to make them look like <laughs> the old uniform? Like if you own the IP now, if you can do the deal, like can, can you edit them to make it look like the old ones? Can, can I put, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Can I put Jordan Travis? Uh, let me let me announce a, a, a player that I've already uh, announced. Uh, Jordan in a James. Yeah, uniform. yeah. I was gonna say, can I put Jordan Travis in James Wilder Jr.'s uniform? Yes, that would be that. I'll, I'll let's. Uh, I'll probably get a, a a quick. Don't ever do that again. Note uh, in my email inbox. But that's a that's a great idea. But I mean, I, I think now. Or what if it's been like ten years since the redesign? What if they have a, a new redesign and they go like some co- like somewhere between what your old uniform was, which was great, and the new one, which is just not as good? Uh, that would be cool. And then you guys could use that. So I'm, I mentioned this six months ago. This is not any inside knowledge that I've gained in the last month and a half or so with, with doing the work that I've done with the Battles in. Um, so I'll repeat it again because I don't feel like I'm burning anybody or sharing information that I shouldn't. Uh, I said six months ago that I think the uniform will look more kind of like what Oklahoma State's uniform looks like. If you guys want to go look at that, very similar to what they have. It's just a little bit more toned down on some of the um, some of the arm arm end and things like that. So you can go look at some of uh, what Oklahoma State's stuff looks like, and it wouldn't shock me 
um, if that is maybe a little bit more what Florida State looks like in the next year or two. That'd be cool, man. I'm 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 very down for that. Uh, oh, also, uh, shout out to Battles End for getting like Jake Owen. Yeah, that was come, fun to, to come to come play the Block Party concert. That was yeah. that was cool. Yeah, that was great. Shout out to him for being a Florida State fan and um, you know being flexible <laughs> on on what it would take to get him there. And uh, no, that was awesome. If you guys were in Orlando, had a Block Party. Um, I I got I was late arriving uh, because traffic and uh, and the whole country traffic. was all these flights. Yeah, um, but it was uh, it was an awesome time. Seemed to be a great time from what I could tell. Um, just a family friendly atmosphere and a great way for everybody to kind of get together on uh, what felt like a Friday night. I guess it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, but it was great to get down there and see a bunch of great Florida state fans. And, uh, you know, anytime that, uh, you get to run into, to Marvin Jones, it's a great night on my end. So, uh, it was, it was a fun evening. Definitely. No doubt about it, buddy. I uh, will see you next time. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Right. Happy new year.